Hello and welcome to another Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. Thanks for listening. Uh, today we have a, a young man who uh, still gives to hockey, uh, even though he played for the Admirals. Gosh, I hate to say it. Nearly 30 years ago, he started his career uh, or started his tenure with the Milwaukee Admirals. He became the Admirals all-time leader in penalty minutes. Uh, still a popular player, Charlie. I, I look back at the beginning of this past season, the 50th anniversary season, and this was a guy that we as an office were all excited was coming in to see everybody. And uh, I know every fan was excited to see Ken Sabarin come back. And Ken joins us now. Uh, Ken, thanks so much for the time. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, you know, just enjoying the uh... We've had some good weather here back in Maryland and uh, a little bit of rain right now, but it's been, it's been a very nice uh, couple weeks for us. You're, you, you've got to be a golfer, right? I golf. Uh, I haven't golfed a ton in the last probably five or six years, but uh, it's okay. funny you say that because last week I golfed four times in a row. <laughs> I think my arms are going to fall off. I was so just going to say, I was just going to say, and I don't know what it's like in the greater DC area, but I can't imagine that November is always the best time to be golfing. No, well, we've had a great November and uh, there's a, uh, we go to the beach here, Ocean City, Maryland. It's about, um, I guess about two and a half hour drive. You're right on the ocean. It's a resort, you know, all the, you know, it's all, all beach stuff. So we go down there quite a bit to golf. And I went down there to do some stuff with my father-in-law and uh, we ended up golfing three days in a row. And then I came back and golfed here. I don't know why I did that, but I did. And uh <laughs> I'll probably hang them up now for a couple months. I would imagine. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Your back is probably demanding it. I would, I would assume. You know, it's it's back, but it's my forearms. I don't know why. I don't, maybe I just uh, grip it like I'm, you know, it's going to fly out, fly out of my hand or something. But my forearms <laughs> are killing me, and it's got to be that. You Nothing know, they, else. I'm fine everywhere else. Right. You, they, go I'm ahead. Curious, go ahead. When you when you talk about gripping, I, I remember I had an old baseball coach that said, uh, "Don't choke the bat. It's not a snake." And I think the same can probably be said about a hockey stick. I can't imagine that uh, you had that issue when you were skating. No, well, you know, just because I, I think something to do with me being a little younger and better shape probably has something to sure. do with it. But, <laughs> sure. Um, but we used to grip those sticks. Well, I used to grip them pretty hard when I would reef on guys in the middle of the ice. But other than that, I mean, I kept <laughs> it pretty loose. Not like I was not like I was carrying the puck up and down the ice all game. So I didn't have to worry about it too much. <laughs> You know, you Aaron mentioned this right at the right off the bat here. Uh, were you surprised last when you were back for last summer? How many number fifty-five jerseys that you were signing uh, at that event you were, for the to kick off our fiftieth season? You know, I was. You know, you'd always wonder what's going to happen, and uh, you know who's going to be there, and you know somebody coming up to you. I was very, very. Um, I was very impressed and I was very humbled by it too, you know, all these years and people remember, I think that was, uh, you know, it's, it's a pretty neat feeling you have. I mean, uh, you know, you don't know what to expect, like you say, when you go into it, but then, uh, you know, when you're talking to people and they're bringing up stuff from way back when you see Jersey with your name on it, it's pretty nice. And uh, it was a great event. I got to hand it to the admirals and everybody to put it together. That was a, it was a really special event, really well done. And uh, it was well uh, attended too. So, um, hopefully they can do some more in the future, but uh, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and some stories that come out for some people talking to a few people, it's always nice to reminisce about the years past and, uh, had a lot of good times in Milwaukee and spent a lot of time there. 
when you come in and I, I don't think you were, I, I can't remember how long you were here. And I know, uh, I know Wojo brought you around a little bit, but did, do you get the opportunity to go back to some of the old haunts that you had or your old neighborhood where you lived? I, that's one of the special things about that era of the admirals, or let's say pre 2000, uh, pre the year 2000, a lot of you guys stayed around town year yeah, round. Lived so you, here. Yeah. You were able to, yeah. yeah, you were able to develop relationships with neighbors and not just your, your hockey teammates. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't. Yeah, I wasn't there long enough. But I know when uh, uh, me and my and my wife now we were there. We built a house in Franklin, and um, we were, we were there most of, well for the five years. Um, and then it's a funny story with that too. I built it, and one summer we stayed the whole summer. Um, and then the following summer, I get my years all mixed up. But the following summer, John Jaha rented the house from the Milwaukee <laughs> Brewers. So. I told, I went to ask Phil Whitliff, I said, Phil, you know, I think I'm going to go home this summer. Just, you know, I'm just thinking maybe the only way to rent the house out. I mean, I'm sitting there and he goes, well, why don't you talk to the brewers? So I did. And then uh, a week later, Jaha, uh, he took the house. So it worked out perfectly. So the next year I came back for camp and he still had it the lease, I guess, I don't know, for two or three weeks. And I just, I said, that's no problem. I'll stay in the hotel. And it was, it was great. And, you know, so, but we enjoyed it there. We stayed there a lot. Um, and, and, and having your own house and, you know, like you said, you got, I got, got to know some great neighbors, good friends that we still keep in contact with. And we just, uh, you know, we love it there. So it's uh, in the summertime, you know, it gets a little like anywhere else in the winter. I mean, that six month cloud sets in it. It gets a little tough, but the summertime was beautiful and uh, going to the fair and, uh, you know, state fair and all that stuff with Woj and uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. So did you, I mean, by the time you made it to Milwaukee, you were a veteran, a veteran guy. Did you buy, did you live full time in any other places? You, I mean, looking at where you played, like Salt Lake is a beautiful place, a beautiful city. Did you live there oh. in the summer? Yeah. The one year uh, I stayed there. Yeah. Salt Lake is beautiful. It's like an, un, it's good. People don't really know about it unless you've been there. Yeah, um, for sure. It was a beautiful, beautiful place surrounded by mountains uh, the one summer I stayed all summer and trained and then, you know, we stayed there and we had a blast and, um, that would be the only other place besides here, you know, when, you know, meeting my wife here and then coming back here, um, after playing here. So, um, to me, it was, uh, you know, that was the only, every other, like my first year in Moncton, New Brunswick, we just got out of there quick, you know, as soon as we were done. Right. Um, in Florida, my last year in Florida, now I could have stayed in Florida. I wouldn't have stayed in Orlando, but I could have stayed in Florida if I, you know, we decided to do that. But uh, no, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, and I guess the Caps, you know, uh, right. not even when I play with the Caps, but you know, later on moving back here. Um, but that'd be pretty much it. Yeah. Let, let, let's let's talk. Oh, go ahead, go ahead Charlie. Please. No, I was just gonna. I, I want to get started. Like on your pro career, you're a high draft pick by the Flames, coming out of a pretty successful uh, junior career. And what what was it like for you to turn pro? What did Calgary tell you uh, as far as, hey, you know, here's what we want. Here's what we're expecting of you. Here's what we want you to do. And, you know, it took you a few years to, until you made it, uh, until you got up to, to Calgary. So what, what was their uh, message to you? Well, I think the message back then was, uh, you know, I got drafted in the second round um, and, Good and bad, I guess, you know, timing's everything in life, as you guys know, um, you know, they had a juggernaut defense core and it was tough to break it. I mean, I, 
I remember my uh, third camp, I believe it was, and I get I could get these year off or so. Sure. Um, they told me, yeah, you're good enough to make it, but you're on a two-way ticket, so you're going down. So you're going down, so, yeah. And that that was kind of the general consensus back then. You know, I mean, the, they didn't send a guy on a one-way ticket down, no matter how bad they were. You know, right. it was, just didn't happen back then. I think the first time I played against a guy on a one-way ticket, I believe it was in the IHL, was uh, uh, Marcel Dion. He got sent down. And <laughs> he was like the biggest name ever gets sent down. And uh, Yeah, I would say uh, so, right? Yeah, so – you know, like you said, I mean, if I had to get drafted by, uh, you know, who knows, a bad team back then, and, you know, maybe maybe things might have been different, but it is what it is. And, you know, and they just say, you know, just keep working. I had to get stronger. Uh, I was always in shape. That wasn't a problem. Just get stronger, work on my game defensively, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, so I think, uh, you know, I did what I had to do, and I got a few games, and, you know, it is what it is. But, uh uh, it's it's hard, you know. Timing's everything, and you have to be in the right spot at the right time. And there's a lot of guys. There's not much difference in the, a lot of players that are on the fringe of making to the NHL uh, on a good team, and then if they go to a team that's struggling or rebuilding, then they're in the NHL. So it's a uh, you know uh, nothing's really changed except the 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 money aspect. If you made a lot of money back then, you weren't going to the minors, no matter how you, no matter that- how bad you were. Was that sort of a shock for you? Because it's those political things, and for lack of a better term, political things, that a lot of people don't see and don't understand. But that's it's still in play today. Yeah, they sometimes they get we get guys down here on one ways, but not very often. Uh, it's for for a number of reasons. It's but mainly it's a waste of money. Was that tough for you as a, a nineteen or twenty year old kid? To be like, gosh, I could be up there, but here's this you know thirty four year old guy who's you know, making a lot of money and they won't send him down because of, because of that. Yeah, it was, you know, it was really tough. I mean, it, you know, anybody says it's not, I think, you know, not telling you the truth. I mean, yeah, you're, you know, especially the first couple of camps, I knew I didn't play well enough or wasn't ready to play, you know, and right. I think it was my third or fourth camp, whatever it was. And then I, I played well enough in all the exhibition games and, uh, you know, uh, I did everything I had to do and you still don't make it. Then you, you begin to wonder what's going on. You know, I didn't doubt my ability. It's just like, you know, is it ever going to happen? These guys aren't getting any young, you know what I mean? They're not going anywhere. Obviously right. they win the cup in 89. Um, and I got a few games in there and fortunate enough to get a, a Stanley cup ring and the whole stuff. I was, but still, I was, yeah. To me, it was like, it's just a different, it's a different mentality. It's just different back then because we didn't have the voice the players have now. You know, we couldn't come out and say certain things or do certain things, you know, and get away with it. Back then, you know, you say something or do something, you get buried and they'll never see you again. So right. um, to me, it was just a little different. I think it's more advantageous to the players right now. They have a little more say in what they want to do, but um, it's still the system. I mean, you got to work it and, you know, whatever you're in, you got to work hard and, try to crack you the team you're, you're trying to make that's all your first couple training camps bob johnson was the coach right yeah, uh yes yes he was he was a very hard coach on junior hockey players is that right oh, is that uh, right it's because of his college so, background or what yes so like as as camps went there was me uh, gary roberts was a first rounder i was a second rounder the same year and uh, back then there was no three hour rule. You could go on the ice as much as you wanted. I mean, so we were on the ice twice and we had workouts twice. So we'd get off the first one. And after every session, typically back then you would do a hard skate, you know, just skate up and down, you know? 
So you get on your first session, do your skate, getting ready to come off and do your workout. And uh, Bob Johnson famously would come in and say, listen, uh, I need a couple of volunteers for this session. We need a forward and a defenseman. Uh, and obviously nobody's putting their hands up, right? So he goes, okay, I think Gary Roberts and Ken Saber, you got to get back out there. So, okay, whatever. Didn't think nothing of it. Go right back out there figuring we're not going to do the skate. We did it, all right? We'll do the practice and just get off. Well, we did the skate again and did the workout. And then we come back in the afternoon and do it again. We did that like two or three times. And I'm like, geez, man, is it, you know, I mean, <laughs> sorry right. I didn't go to college, but geez, you know, don't kill me over it. How about a little something <laughs> yeah. for the effort here? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of the, the rumor, but he was a good coach. I mean, you know, obviously, and uh, he brought in, he was kind of like that year. I remember Neil Sheehy came in as a college guy and that's a year they kind of, we were kind of like, uh, I guess the, the proto prototype, whatever you want to call it team. We tested every muscle in our body. I mean, there was muscles that we were testing. I didn't know I had. And, and he was, that was Bob Johnson. You know, he wanted everything tested, not, you know, not like just go play. You want for the, so after the first day, you couldn't even move. You couldn't even move. So, uh, and uh, Neil Sheehy was, you know, breaking the machine, doing whatever, real strong and all that. So he loved all that stuff. So that was, uh, that was my first taste of Badger. uh, How much, how much did you come into camp? We nowadays, everyone comes into camp and they're in, they're in perfect shape. It's not training camp anymore. It's just practice. How yeah. when you went into camp, how good a shape were you in? Uh, I was in good shape. I'm always in good shape. You know, I wasn't my first year or so. I wasn't strong enough, but in terms of aerobic fitness, I was in good shape. I, I was always a player that kept in good shape and very fortunate when it came, you know, I worked hard at it, but it came natural to me too. So, um, and then I got stronger and stronger, but it, it was, it, it was different. I was probably, Right on that, right on that, like crack. You know, there's a couple players that would come in with, with, with get into shape, and there was, you know, maybe half the team that was in shape. You know, and then it started every year after that. But that was kind of the, the year. Well, you know what? Right around the year, well, you have to be in half decent shape. You know, especially right. if you're trying to make the team. You know, right. so, um, so it was kind of changing right around that time. But I was always in pretty good shape. I couldn't even after every season. I'd probably take two weeks off, and that was it, and I get back at it. And not skating, but you know, getting in shape. So, I didn't like getting out of shape in my career. What I, I need to, I should. You probably you don't know this, but uh, I, I'm going to apologize for it anyway because we have this. We always post this list at the beginning of the playoffs every year. Here's the former admirals that have won a Stanley Cup ring, and I never had your name on it until I was going through your sort of your 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 bio for today, and I realized you were on the '89 Flames team. Uh, that won the cup and there's a couple of qualifications to get your name on the cup and get a ring I guess and one of them is to play I think it's 40 games during the regular season the other one is to play a game in the Stanley Cup playoffs which you did so tell us about Mm -hmm. tell us about winning the Stanley Cup I want and I'd like to hear about the what game did you play what round was it in and the finals against Montreal like I can't imagine how insane that was yeah, um, you know, I played. I was up and down that whole year a few times, and then uh, right. it was against Vancouver. I got in against Vancouver. Okay, I played the game, and then I was the seventh defenseman. You know, I was just the, the you know there. I, it was it was great because back then they used to call up ten guys. You know, for the, when you were done in the minors, wherever that was, they called ten guys and they'd skate you and just skate you out every day. Right. Well, I was the seventh defenseman. You never know. 
I may have gotten the call in the middle of the afternoon. So they didn't skate me ever. So I loved it. It was great. <laughs> you know, I got off the ice when everybody else got off the ice. It was beautiful. You know, right. so, um, but I did get against Vancouver a couple of times, you know, you know, injuries, you were getting ready to go and didn't go. But uh, I remember we, uh, we were in Montreal and uh, we we're in the dress room in the final game. And I think it was Pavlinsky and Hunter weren't dressed and they were in there and they're there, you know, we we're all just sitting there and watching the game in the dressing room and things are like, this is going to happen. And they come in and start putting plastic up everywhere and bringing in beer and everything. And we're like, wow, this is unbelievable. It's going to, you don't realize it's going to happen. Right. And uh, so I guess about the middle of third period, we're sitting there and I'm like, well, you know, everybody else. A little... So we started celebrating early. You know, and <laughs> we, we got into it and then we won the whole thing. You know what I mean? And the, the cup was in there. And so the, the biggest thing I remember about it, which is the, the, to me to this day, I think is great is we get on the charter back. So we're chartering right back from Montreal to Calgary, right, right away. And the, the wives and anybody who was there were on the charter with us. They could come back with us. So I remember I was sitting in between, uh, I was sitting in between Lanny McDonald and, and Joey Mullen me and Paul Ranheim in the same seat and the cup's going around. Right. And we're, you know, we're rookies, whatever. We're not, you know, so Lanny gets it or whatever, Joey. Well, and I can't, somebody put it on my lap and I sat there and it sat there. And I remember they kept coming around and they were pouring, we were pouring like drinks in there and everything. And I had to go to the bathroom so bad. I said, you know what, Rammer? I'm not going, I don't care. I'm not leaving until this thing, somebody takes it from Someone me. Someone takes you it know? from you. <laughs> yeah. I don't care if, it, if an accident happens or not. Oh, well, I'll deal with it, you know, but it was like, <laughs> so we had that thing and we had a blast and it was a lot of fun. And then, you know, uh, but you didn't take it back home then, you know what I mean? At least, we, you know, certain guys probably did, but you know, it wasn't like it is now. Everybody gets a day with a cup. So right. um, that was my memory of it. It was a lot of fun, a ton of fun. And, you know, it's almost like, you know, I didn't play a ton, but it was almost like a relief when you get out, if you play, a uh, long season and you know, we won the IHL championship uh, in Salt Lake and you win and you're so exhausted. It's like, you don't even know what to do anymore. It's, right. it's, it's a weird feeling unless you've been through it. And, and you can see the guys were all excited and then it calms down for an hour or two and then it picks back up <laughs> and doesn't stop for a couple of days. So right, absolutely. Um, it, was, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting and it was pretty, uh, it was amazing story and like amazing memories I'll have, you know, with that cup on my lap you know, yeah. and uh, drinking rum and Cokes out of it or whatever we were drinking. Just, uh, just that's, a, that's, that's the famous story, the Gretzky story, right? That they walked by the Islanders locker room on their way out of the Coliseum and they figured they'd be hooting and hollering and celebrating and whatever. And they, the door was open and everybody just had their head down kind of exhaling after they won the championship. It is, it is. It's, it's, you know, you're, you're, you're jumping around on the ice and you do your thing and then you get back and you're just like, wow. Whew season's over i'm exhausted you know you're fighting through what i don't know how many injuries and you know you just beat and it's you just almost like hit you at once and then you get your second wind eventually but knowing that you don't have to put those skates on and go get beat up again the next day it's just like <laughs> almost like wow this is great you know you love to play but you still like you know i mean it, you, you don't want to get beat up every game so right. um it, it's just it's it's an emotion that unless you've been through it it's hard to explain like the feeling you know the average fan wouldn't understand that they think you know uh, i'll go crazy you know but it, it's an it's emotional kind of letdown and then not good one and then it picks right back up just just as a footnote to that uh that whole season for you there 
two two guys you played with on that season had sons who played for the Admirals. Joey Mullen, his son. What was his son's name, Aaron? I can't remember. Brian. No, not um, Brian. Uh, uh, why can't it? Patrick. Patrick Mullen. Thank you. Uh, and and Rob Ramage, his son, uh, John, who played at the University of Wisconsin, also uh, played for us as well. So uh, since this is all about Admiral's history, you might as well throw that in there as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, that well, we mentioned Bob Johnson, but your next coach uh, and the one who ended up uh, leading Calgary to the Stanley Cup was Terry Crisp. Uh, fans of the Admirals since the of the affiliation with Nashville, you watch Nashville sure. on TV and you see this jovial Terry Crisp. Was he like that as a coach? Well, I got some stories about Crispy. I've had him. <laughs> I couldn't get rid of him as a coach. So right. I, yeah. got, I got, I got drafted as an underage 16 years old in the Sault Ste. Marie. Well, he was the coach. He was there for three years and left turned pro. I had a break for a year, you know, my last year of junior. And then uh, I turned pro, go to Moncton. He's my coach. He's where he is. Oh, yeah. So then I get called up be back and forth or whatever. And he's my coach there. So I couldn't get, I couldn't get away from him. So, uh, um, uh, we, we've met in Nashville a couple of times and, you know, kid about, you know, Terry Chris, you know, you, you ruined my career, you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he is a very, a very, you know, you talk about Badger and you talk about Terry Chris, so Badger was all about fitness, this and that. And Crispy was about, he was old school, you know, just show up, make sure you play the game make sure you play hard when you're here, you know, do what you got to do, but play hard when you're here. Uh, My first training camp in junior hockey, I'm 16 years old, right? I have a face mask on like a week before playing in Toronto in the MTHL. And all of a sudden I got no mask on. I come out in our training camp and we're all in a circle and center. And he comes in, he goes, okay, want to have a spirited training camp. Okay. He goes, okay, we're going to stretch now. Okay, whatever. So stretch he goes. He, you know, he puts his arms out twice, real quick. He goes, "Okay, we're done. Go play." Goes, That's it. We're, not, we're not here to do all this. Stuff. We're here to play. And that was my initiation with him. And uh, I got a lot of good stories about Chris. I got a lot of crazy stories. I can't tell you, but um, but he was to me. He was a very intense coach. I mean, he would he knew the buttons to push. Uh, very many times in between periods in junior hockey, he'd come in and rip on a guy for the full 15 minutes, you know, and you'd be, you'd be so, you'd be so excited or whatever. So amped up, you'd, you'd go jump in their bench. You wouldn't do anything, you know? So it was a, it was a, it was a awakening for me as a 16 year old, never fought, you know, you didn't have to fight in MTHL. And then all of a sudden now you're, you're in bench clearing brawls and, I remember one brawl. We were brawling Hamilton, uh, Bill LaForge's team. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might have been, might have been my first or second brawl. I can't remember now. And uh, the referee, I fought a guy. The referee comes to me, goes, get, get to the bench, or you'll be, ne- or you'll be suspended or whatever." So I go to the bench, and Chris goes, "What are you doing here?" I said, "Ref told me get to the bench, or you're suspended." He goes, "If you don't get back out there, you'll never play again." <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'm going back out. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so did you get suspended? No, no. You know, we used to brawl guys. One get kicked out maybe on each team and be a bench clearing brawl. And there was no, you know, it's it just just crazy the way it worked back then. But you know, so there's a lot of stuff. And Crispy was very. Uh, uh, I've always liked Crispy. I've always liked him. A lot of guys couldn't handle his, you know, in your face stuff, but I always liked him because if you give an honest effort, he liked you. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you just play the game the way you should, 
he liked you. The goal scorers always had a little problems with him, but um, he was, you know, he got the best out of the guys and, uh, you know, obviously made some tough decisions in Calgary, said no Lanny McDonald and things like that. But uh, um, it worked out at the end, I guess. Could, yeah. could he could he coach that way? This, did he? Did you see a big difference between the way he coached in juniors and then the way he was in the NHL? Like you couldn't do, you couldn't yeah. coach like him in the NHL anymore, obviously. But did he soften at all in your view from, from the Sioux up to Calgary? Yeah, he did. There are certain things. I mean, he still was very adamant about the way he coached, you know, the way he believed in. But the way you play. Yeah. yeah you, could, you couldn't get under the, you couldn't rip a guy for 10 minutes and, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. But right. uh, it was a little different because you're dealing with, different mentality you know you're dealing with men not boys not kids and uh so crispy always knew that he had you and you know he won and you were you know you respected him and you didn't mess with him so and but in the nhl a little different obviously and obviously now i ask him why i coach you ruin enough careers we laughed about it so um but he goes it's you know it's different now it's you know now you coach individually he he was more of that old school you know where you coach as a team you know, everything, this is a team now, it's individually, you know, well, uh, you know, instead of yelling at the whole team or pushing the whole team, you got to watch what you say to, you know, there's different buttons to push with every kid. So, um, but uh, he was good at the, uh, you know, at junior and then you know, pro, he was, you know, he did a good job in Tampa, you know, when they started out too. So um, he coached a long time. You, uh, you get traded to Washington and as Charlie said, Admiral centric type of show traded for Paul Fenton uh wash to washington um and that's obviously as we're talking to you that's the area you've made your home um what what why why is that why is it is it because that's where you met your wife is that what what happened there well when i got traded here yeah i mean it was you know i'm playing or whatever and uh, it's funny because uh, i met my wife i believe it was like a month before a month hang on let me get this month a month after i asked to be traded out of here because i wasn't playing anymore i said if i'm going to play in the minors i'd rather trade me back to salt lake city you know right. if i'm going to be in the minors i want to go to salt lake city so and then we met you know a month prior or whatever and then it kicked off whatever so then i did get traded back to uh salt lake city and i uh, spent the rest of the year there and then you know uh, the rest is history with my wife and i but this area um, yeah, it's, you know, she's from here. I liked it. I love the area. Uh, you know, two and a half hours, you're, at, you're on the beach, you have the mountains, you have everything right around. It's not that cold of a winter. Um, so it wasn't a hard sell for me for a guy who lived out of a, out of a pickup truck for all those years. It wasn't a hard sell to say here. Um, so it's just, a, and then uh, I got hooked up with doing the radio a couple of years later and uh, it's been great since, you know? Right. Right. After, well, after that year in Salt Lake, that's when you come to Milwaukee and I'm curious, did, did, did were you at a point where you gave up on your NHL dream or was that still a reality, even though the Admirals were an independent team? No, it was, you know, I was in the back of your mind, but I knew it was, I knew I was done, you know, now is a matter of time. Okay. Now I'm starting to settle down on my life let's get some security. Let's go to a place. And, you know, and I still love playing. I mean, I love playing, um, but I didn't want to be, you know, I had opportunity to go, uh, you know, I guess mentor, whatever you want to call it to a farm club with an NHL team. And I said, nah, I want to go somewhere where there's veterans and, and, you know, maybe we have a chance to win. 
you know, and, and put something together. Maybe we can stick around for two or three years instead of having a revolving door, as you guys know it, it is right. on, a, on a farm club. So, um, you know, and it, it worked out and Phil contacted, you know, and it worked out great. We ended up signing a four-year deal the first time and then a year deal. And it was just, to me, it was, it was just a fit. And, uh, I liked it a lot. I mean, we had some good teams. We didn't do what we were supposed to. I think we underachieved a couple of times, but, uh, we had a lot of fun and they were good guys to play with. I can't imagine never, not in my time with the admirals, have we seen a guy on a four year contract? And, uh, I mean, it's an entry level deal is three years, but that's with Nashville, obviously. Um, yeah. and you will get a guy on a car sometimes on a, a, a two year deal on an AHL deal. Uh, was that a normal thing to do because the IHL was more of a veteran laden league or was that unusual even for the IHL back then? Uh, I don't think it was unusual. I think it was pretty, you know, I mean, certain players would do, I don't think, it, uh, you know, everybody did it, but I know there was a certain few that, you know, you could get those four year deals. Like, you know, our, our, our arch nemesis, the wolves, you know, uh, what's his name? I can't think of the two main goal scorers there, Brown and uh, Malti. Steve Brown and, and Steve Malti and Rob Brown, yeah. Yeah, you know, they were on big, huge – I think they were on like five or six-year contracts or something like that. I mean, right. it was crazy. Right. Um, but that's when the I was doing that. They were attracting the veterans. They, I guess they wanted a veteran league. You know, they didn't want a young league. And, uh, and to do that, well, you know, you got to make – so it's like anywhere else. You got to make it worth your while for somebody to come there. So, right. Um, I think that's what it was. I don't think everybody did that, but you know, I think there's a few guys on our team and, you know, the Cavallinis and Tony Hercus. Yeah. Hercus signed, you know, I don't know what they signed, but it was more than a two year deal. I know that. So, right. uh, um, it was pretty common back then. I think that was when, and then, you know, I don't think you'll ever see that again. You know, it's right. just, uh, just the way the game is right now. And it's a young game and, they don't want the old guys anymore. <laughs> uh, we'll never see. We'll never see something like the I again. And those were really, uh, the IHL had been around forever, obviously. And and unfortunately, as you look back on it, it was sort of the last gasp. But, but my God, it was an unbelievable time to be in that league with the cities that were coming in and the the quality of players that were coming in, the big name players, uh, the buildings you played in. I mean, what a what a great era to play. Oh, it was, it was, I mean, I remember going to road trips and, you know, going to San Diego, Vegas, uh, um, and, um, uh, San Diego, Vegas, and, uh, what's the other one out, one other in California, Long Beach, I can't, Long Beach, yeah. you know, uh, you know, I'm like, this is a tough division to be in. I hate this division. You know, Phoenix, <laughs> we go to Phoenix all the time too. I mean, this is awesome. You know, then you, then you have to go to the Peorias and <laughs> Kalamazoo is the odd time, but you know. Um, but it was, it was, you won't see that again. I, I agree with you. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, you're playing in big buildings. You weren't, you know, a couple of them were like Kalamazoo was a little barn or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, Peoria, they all had nice buildings and they were getting pretty good fans. And it was, it was, it was an era where we were very fortunate. I mean, especially we didn't bus a whole lot. We had to fly everywhere. Salt Lake city. You know what I mean? We had to fly. You, you, you can't bus any, you know, so it was pretty, we were pretty fortunate, uh, you know, so we'd always get out, we could always get out of the cold weather and go and go to the warm weather. Yeah. And maybe this was just after you play or this happened just before you played, but you know, the, the admirals would fly to Muskegon sometimes 
and just across Lake Michigan, and day of the game, they'd get on a couple of uh, small charters and and fly across. Because Doug Dougie Agnew would say he loved it because he would take the truck over him, and I don't know if it was Howie Larson or who it was. They'd take the truck over, and they'd have a free night because there'd be nobody around because they weren't coming till the next day. But they had to hang the gear, so it was the best for them. Uh, do you did that? Was that happening when you were uh, playing for Milwaukee? No, no, we never did that. No, we uh, we'd always. We would bus. We would hub out of if we were around there. We'd hub out of um, uh, Kalamazoo. We'd stay at Kalamazoo, and then we would, uh, you know, fly, you know, drive everywhere around there. But we never just did that one day trip. I don't believe. Maybe we did, but I can't remember. Uh, yeah, maybe there was right. snow or something. But there was nothing like regular. You know, it was. Uh, um, you you would have to get on the flights for obviously to go up west and everything. But uh, for the most part, we would. We had a pretty good schedule. The odd time you're on a five-hour trip, six-hour trip because of whatever, but on, on a bus. But it wasn't too bad at all. It wasn't bad at all. Not like some teams. How quickly, how quickly could it become a team when you when you got there? Because and, and I ask that because it it was an unaffiliated team. Um, you're mostly veterans. So you're coming from different organizations. Maybe you knew of each other or played with each other somewhere along the way, but was it easy to put a team together right from the get-go when you start a season uh, in, in Milwaukee when it was an unaffiliated club? Because of what you said earlier, I think everybody realized that, you know, the dream was done. Maybe a Tony Herkus was you know, take exception where he went back into the NHL uh, but other than, I mean, it was pretty much, that was it. You know, you, this is what you're doing. So, you know, let's, let's, and Phil did a nice job bringing in good character people too. I got to give Phil a lot of credit and never mind talent wise, but character people. And that makes a difference. So, you know, as you're all on one team, you know, you're, you're in a dressing room used to be, you know, whatever. Now everybody's got to check their ego at the door and just come in and play as a team. And I think we always did that. Um, I don't, that was never a problem. Uh, you just go out there and you play hard and let's face it, you're playing for your lives. I mean, you know, your, your, your sports lives and uh, uh, you didn't want to stop playing. So, uh, you know, back then the mentality was you play hard every game or you, you're not going to play. So, um, you know, I think it was very easy. I think you got to give Phil a lot of credit for bringing in the right character people, you know, besides talent wise, we had a good talent team, but he brought in people that, you know, very seldom there, you know, there was problems. There's always a problem here and there with the team, but nothing, nothing that would linger on or would drag a team down. Let's put it that way. So the years I was there, it was, uh, it wasn't hard at all really to get together. I mean, we were very close net. There was a lot of, you know, house parties with the wives and girlfriends and there's kids. And you know what I mean? There was always, we're always together. So it made it a lot easier. You yeah. know, you, I look you, at the, I look at the ahead, roster. I'm sorry. I was look at the roster here, and of the top, let's say 15. Well, there's there's a 24 year old Chris Covadaris, a couple of 25 year olds Brad Warenka and Pat McLeod, and pretty much everybody else was 27, 28, 29 up to Randy Velaschek was 32 and Gino was 31. So it's uh, it's it's a mature group. There's no doubt. Well, then that's it. I mean, you realize you've been through it, you know, you've been through all that other stuff and, and you realize, you know, you're going in there and just, just go do what you're supposed to do. You, you get paid to go, you know, score goals, you know, me to play defense and, you know, you know, just go do what you're supposed to do and everybody have fun. It's not like you're competing, trying to get, you know, the scouts to watch you to get up here. You know, you're not worried about your partner who maybe, well, it's between you and him who's getting called up. I mean, 
yeah, your teammates, but there's always that little extra, like I want to do more than him. So I get recognized more. There was none of that. You know, I mean, it was just go out there and do your job and, and do what you're supposed to do. And I think everybody realized what their, what their role was on the team. And, uh, you know, you just go out and play and that makes it for, you know, continuity was a lot easier. I should have you know, thrown in too. Uh, Mark LaForest was 32 years old, and he was your goalie for what two seasons there? What? Yeah, he was like I think about two seasons, a season and a half or whatever. They brought him in trees, and uh, you know uh, he was at the end of his career too. And but you know he did his job, and just different. it was all different. I mean, it was talk about a talk about there were some guys at the point where you know we talked about earlier about who's in shape, who's not in shape in the camp and stuff like that. And you're funny. There's some guys, you know, it was, it was still old school back then. And, uh, but it worked out. It was fine, you know, and, uh, the, uh we had, we had some characters, man. We had a lot of fun. This, this you, sto- just, you just never know what was going to happen from day to day. You, you know, there's some names in Admiral's history that we hear about as like the characters and Mark LaForest is right <laughs> up there. And oh, Doug, yeah. I, I mean, he, he confirmed Charlie and I spoke to him, gosh, five months they, ago, six yeah. months ago. And he confirmed it all. Like, yeah, he like was, he, yeah, like the Dougie, Doug Agnew could have told Mark, uh, Mark LaForest stories for three hours. And, <laughs> and just about like, uh, like he, uh, especially the, when he was supposed to, they were into San Francisco and he got injured and he, he really wanted to go see some Grateful Dead stuff in San Francisco. And he couldn't because he was hurt. And Doug kept saying, oh my gosh, look at that. And he couldn't because his neck was so sore. He couldn't look out the window. But what is it, and not to mention smoking cigarettes and drinking beers after the game in the locker room. Uh, oh, yeah. What, what was it like to play with a guy that was sort of off the wall, to be to put it nicely? Uh, you know, uh, typically, it, again, uh, back, you know, maybe it's a little different now. It probably still sticks to this point, but he was our goalie. So, you know, you just so you know he was weird. <laughs> Yeah, you just let him do whatever he has to do. You didn't get involved in it, whatever it was. As long as you stop the puck, we don't care what you're doing. I don't yeah. care how you're doing it, where you're coming from. And that was kind of the mentality. Still kind of is, you know, even, you know, it's a game day of a goalie. They're a little more focused. But uh, to me, it was like it was, it was, it was so much fun with him because you never know. I mean, he took, <laughs> he took the game seriously when he played, and he played hard. But he showed, and you know, I guess you can learn from certain things. It's not the end of the world. It's not all end all be all here. You just go out and play your do what you're supposed to do, prepare what you're supposed to do, go play, and then you can go have a life afterwards. And that, that was trees in a in a nutshell. I mean, he enjoyed his life. Believe me. I mean, all the stories you're hearing, I'm sure you heard a ton of them. But uh, but he showed up to play. He knew when he had to come in and play. So, um, and I think that was a kind of a lesson I learned throughout the whole thing about this whole hockey and, and professional sports. There's more to life. You can't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, and if, once you figure that out, the game became so much easier for me. You know, I didn't take it home at night. I didn't dwell on a bad shift or a bad game all, all night. You know what I mean? I let it go, move on to the next one. I, I look at your career in Milwaukee and you, 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 you joined the Admirals, and I think you're about 27 years old. I mean, not to say that's an old man. They think about what, it, you know, you'd love to be have a 27-year-old body now. But at 27 as a pro athlete, that's getting up there. Yet you played for five seasons in Milwaukee. You played 390 games so and accumulated 1,200 penalty minutes. It's just crazy to me that you are so durable. Like, no – I, it, it's tough to say how you would have see how you could have you never miss any time, and 
you know, you're playing 81, 82 games a season. It's just really remarkable. Uh, look, the, the lowest you ever, most least you ever played was 71 uh, in, in one year. That's missing 11 games. Uh, really a testament to you, to, to your durability, to be able to do that. Well, yeah, and I think that's one thing I prided myself on playing is that, uh, you know, you, you, you're keeping shape and you stay strong and you do a little, you play a rough game. Yeah, I was involved in a lot of, you know, scrums and stuff like that. And I played a, a heavy game, but you stay in shape and, and you play through injuries. You know, it's just certain things probably you played through. I'm very fortunate in my career that I was able to do that. You know, I didn't have the major, major problems. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like to say I, I had the magic pill or whatever, but I just, I just worked hard, stayed in shape and, you know, you just played hard. I mean, some guys, you know, uh, get fortunate and they don't have any major injuries, you know, groin here, groin there, not a big deal. You can play through that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was, I mean, obviously now you look at it now, you compare it to now, you know, the guys that are hurting can't play at the level they need to play at in the leagues they're in now because they're so quick, fast and everything else. Even if you want to play, you're, you're, you're doing more harm than you are helping. So, um, it was, a it was, a that's something, you know, I look back a lot on and, and I'm happy that I was very durable. That's what I made. You know, I, I come in, like I tell Phil, you know, I'm here to play every game. I'm not here to sit out. I'm here to play every single game and very fortunate to play almost them all. You know, uh, I, a couple of them are suspensions, not even hurt. I look, I, <laughs> I look at the, the 93, 94 team and we don't, when we refer to old time hockey, that's not generally the era we're looking at, but 93, 94 for the admirals, three of the, some of the, great pugilists we would as as Woj would like to say in admiral's history we got you with 279 penalty minutes richard zemlak who's got 243 but my favorite one is don gibson who play, has 233 third on the team he plays 40 games or 43 games that's uh that's a crazy amount of penalty minutes for playing half the games well, that's why that's why that we had a lot of fans in the stands back then because it was exciting. You never know what was going to happen. You yeah, know? right. <laughs> we we may not score goals, but there's something going to happen. You know. But no, it was different back. It was different back then. You know, the whole mentality. Um, you know, you just you know you do what you got to do. I mean, it, you know, it's funny because they always say, "Why did you end up doing what you're doing?" I said, "Once once you start something, you get labeled as that, and then if you're good at it." And they're willing to pay you and you play, you know, a game you love, then you just keep doing it. That's what I did my whole career. You know, I started, you know, I'd go after their number one player or whatever and stir up the whole team and they'd all come after me. And then my guys could go do what they wanted. It was perfect. You know, and to follow up on that, to follow up on that, because I think that's what you had said before on the radio show with, with Woj and I was that was your thinking. It wasn't that Phil said you had to do anything. You you made it your mission to harass Rob Brown or whoever the top guy was on the other team. Exactly. You know, and, and uh, I'd go after them right away. I mean, and eventually, you know, everybody else come knocking or whatever. But, you know, if I could get them off their game and Rob Brown only get two points instead of six as usual, right? I mean, then it was a win, <laughs> you know? Then we had a chance, so... And I, we've had so many battles, Rob Brown and I. I mean, it was – you talk about things that have changed. I mean, the stuff we used to say to each other and do to each other. I mean, he would give it to me too. He was – I'd give him that. I mean, he didn't fold up shop. But I'd go at him and we just – I mean, you know, just like yeah, – I don't understand how we did it all, but we did it. And uh, it made it fun. I mean, what a rivalry it was between us and the Wolves. I mean, it was it was 
it was one of the best out there, really, that I've been involved in because every game was something was going to happen, no matter what. And, Who and knows was, about the score? That was the IHL, too, though, because there were, weren't a lot of teams. So you played the Wolves 14, 16 times uh, to, to, so you could build up that uh, animosity towards the other guy. Yeah, and they had, you know, they had some good high end, you know, Rob Brown, probably the best player in the eye, you know, in terms of point wise and Maltes was up there. So they had players that, you know, that, and they're a good team and, you know, and there was, it was like feisty games. I mean, there was always something that was going on. I remember driving that you go to the, I can't remember the, what's this old stadium's name, but we drive in there. And one time we needed, we, we needed, we needed an escort to get to our, our, uh, our, uh, our, our bus <laughs> afterwards because people wanted to kill us. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just like, this is awesome for the game. But, but that was, that was the fun part about it. That's, you know, that's, that's the part I always say that these, these guys playing now, they've never experienced that and never will probably for the better, I guess. But the, when you have that, so, you know, no matter what, you don't know what's going to happen. It could be a brawl. It could be a five on five. That intimidation factor of the game is just not there anymore for physically intimidation. You know what I mean? It's just not there. And, and to me, that got the juices rolling a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, you score a big goal, great. But, you know, you have a fight or, you know, a brawl. You would come and bring a team together. And all of a sudden now, you know, you're a team now. And you go out there and play well, you know. So those things will never happen. These guys don't know what it's like. And probably, you know, I guess to their – probably good thing for them, I, mean, I would imagine. But uh, it's it was, a, it was a ton of fun. And some scary moments, too. I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was watching my back all the time, you know. Oh, sure. Right. Sure, sure. Charlie mentioned that 93-94 team. That was the year that the program, uh, you climbed up on the roof at the Bradley Center with a few other guys to take the picture. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that? I, I, I don't know whose idea was that, but whoever was idea, marketing idea, they should be fired right now. They <laughs> should have been fired. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I could go in there and fight a guy, do whatever, you know, I'd jump, I'd jump in the opposing bench, but to walk up on the top of the Bradley, my knees were shaking. Like, you don't know how, but they said, sit down here. I just sat down. I said, I'm not moving. You got to adjust to yeah. me. I'm not moving anywhere. How but many of the guys that, in that picture were like you? Oh. And how many of the guys were just like, Oh, ding dong and around up there. Like, Oh, this is, this is freaking great. I love it. I, I, you know what? I don't, I don't, don't hold me to the fact, but I think there was, uh, was Herc up there and Gino and Gino. I think Dave Mackey, Gino. maybe. No, Mackey wasn't think, on that team. It must no, have been maybe uh, Tom Lack. Was it Tom Lack? Maybe Tom. I'm trying Lack to look at the program here. Number number thirty five. I'm looking at I'm looking at the program here. Um, that'd, that'd be our goalie. Right? The thirty five would have been a goalie, which I'm guessing would would that have been Mason or Larry Dick? Probably Larry Dick, huh? Larry Dick, I think, yeah. So he probably, I, from if I remember, he he didn't have a problem. It was me, and I think Herc did, uh, and maybe and Gino, maybe Gino, because Gino, Gino hated Gino hated flying, so I can't imagine him wanting to be up there. So Gino's up there. I don't see Herc, but Herc I is not Herc is not up there. I can't. He's not tell up there. Okay. Gino is. There's somebody with a mustache. Um, uh, I don't know who that maybe. would be. To oh, be that's honest. Mike McNeil. Well, there's Mike McNeil. Mike McNeil. Okay. He probably was okay. He probably was okay. Was Mackie up there? Mackie was not on that team. He no, he wasn't there on that team. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. But I all I know, climbing up, and, and it was funny because getting on the roof was the easy part. Climbing up and looking down over the over the, the rink and everything through all oh. the whatever they call, that yeah. was the work. I'm Cat like, where walk. are we going? Tim, 
can't we take a picture outside in front of a sign or something? What's, what do we have to be up here for? <laughs> and of course, you every ca- every catwalk is graded, so you can see right through it. Like, why can't you make this a solid thing? Well, we still do it at at, at uh, Calgary. You still walk through the catwalk, and we go there. I have to walk along the top to get over to, uh, to the, the booth to the over booth. To the radio booth. So it's not as bad. They got boards down, but believe me, it's still. I I just kind of like walk real slow and go my way and. Once I'm in the booth, I don't leave to the end of the game. <laughs> yeah, no, that building in Hamilton, in, in when we played there in the American League, uh, Cops Coliseum, that catwalk was, I didn't need that. That was straight down for a long, that's a long look there, a long look. So that's, that's not my cup of tea is up on the top of the roofs and stuff like that. That's uh, I'd rather stay on the floor. It's easier for me. What, I, Phil, playing for Phil and negotiating with Phil, I, I to me – and obviously it's never going to happen in pro sports, but to have the GM be the coach and vice versa, the coach be the GM, he knows what type of player he wants. He knows how you're going to be used. And I know we've talked about this probably in what you said, but what was it like playing for, was it, was it an easy thing to play for Phil, I guess is my question. Yeah, it was, it was very easy because, you know, you know, I think Phil's a very uh, fair man. He was a very fair man. And, uh, very easy to talk to as you know a lot of times you're intimidated going to talk to management as a player Phil was not like that uh not at all I remember him he had have us over at his cottage you know just kind of hang out and have a couple beers you know so it was more like you know uh he did his job whatever you know he had to find his players and do whatever I'm sure he dealt with some stuff behind the scenes I have no idea what it was but very easy you know uh, to negotiate um, wasn't a hard it was easy uh, it is it's pretty you know straightforward and a very easy going man I mean to me I just I don't know I, I think the world of Phil I think he was great and he did it in his own little way you know um, but uh, you know and he would do his thing and you know if he had a problem or you needed anything you just say you know you talk to him like he's your dad you know what I mean it was like hey listen I, I you know what about this and he would listen to you and resolve it somehow you know so uh you you didn't feel it you didn't feel intimidated at all about talking to phil or, or phil walked into a part you know uh, wherever we were at a bar or something nobody would scatter you know what i mean hey phil come on over you know so that that's the type of guy he was you know to us the uh you you were involved in well uh, again a a, a a major happening in admiral's history that didn't happen on the ice happened while you were a member of the admiral's uh and uh, it was the uh, uh, involved Steve Strunk and getting kicked oh. off the Midwest <laughs> Airlines flight coming out of Vegas. I, I, that was I, like, a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to hear, I love to hear everyone's perspective on what happened there. And because uh, you talk about, and Phil obviously had, a, had an important role in that whole uh, situation. What do you remember from the infamous Midwest Express flight? Well, all I remember, we were in Vegas, right? We're, I don't know if we stopped or I don't know. I can't remember the whole. All I know that I, we taken off and we've been there for killing time. So you're not going to bed, right? I mean, what's the point? Right. So you get on the plane and guys were had a few and uh, you look back and uh, I was like near the, almost near the back of the plane, I believe. And I see we're taken off and Strunky is in the middle of the hall of the, of the aisleway like he's skiing. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? I'm like looking around. Then we didn't think nothing of it, right? Oh, whatever, an hour, two hours later, whatever, we're going to land. And all of a sudden, we 
they say, can the hockey team please stay on or whatever, you know, and usually that was normally you stay on or you get off early. They tell you to get on or get off early. That was, so we didn't think nothing of it. Okay. Whatever. I think Phil and them were up in first class then. Yep. And uh, so all of a sudden these, 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 or what they call them security cops and whatever they were. I don't know what, there's some high end cops. Anyway, they come on and they're like, you guys want to mess around? I'm like, we're all like hung over. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> what do you mean? Do we want to, is this a joke or something? And he goes, who's Steve drunk? I'm like, what? So they're looking for him and he's in the bathroom. He wouldn't go to the bathroom. I'm like, what do, what do you do? Nobody do like, well, he's here somewhere. I'm like, you guys want to mess around? And they, these guys that came on, these uh, security guys were big guys too. They weren't like, you know, you could tell they they were ready to go. And I'm like, and I don't know what Phil, what kind of magic Phil did out of that one, but he ended up uh, getting us all on a couple flights, whatever, out of there because they weren't letting us back on the plane. So we right. were stuck in where, I can't even remember where we landed. I can't even remember. But we were stuck there and he got us on some planes, but Strunky had to go back and do something or I don't know what it was, but Phil's magic got us out of that one. But it was funny. It was funny. Then it wasn't funny. And then we were pissed off at him because we missed our flights home. Right, so, <laughs> and then a couple of days later we laugh about it you know but that there, there's probably more to it i don't remember it all but all i remember these guys there's i don't know how many come on there's a ton of them come on the plane and say listen there's a problem you guys have a problem and everything you're bugging the, the, the i think they still called them stewards back then all right you know, they, that's what they felt in, then, they felt intimidated yes yeah i'm like intimidated i'm like you kidding me what what's any who who's gonna bother them <laughs> you know, uh, you know, so, uh, you know, guys were sneaking on beer. Maybe they didn't like that. I don't know. Yeah, I know. You know, but well, bottom line is it was like a sobering moment in the middle of the night. All of a sudden <laughs> we look up and there's guys all over the place and they got guns and they got everything. I'm like, what's, we didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Know? What's the deal? <laughs> so, but Strunky. Yeah. I think that's the only thing he's ever done bad in his life. And he got caught at. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's uh, good. good that's so, good when you we we like to close these uh with um uh, and and by the way it uh it was so great to have you in town back in the summer um and and, and it showed obviously that that your time here meant something to you because it certainly meant a lot to a lot of people around here um but when you think about your time in milwaukee what comes to mind I had so much fun there, made a lot of good friends, you know, on the ice, off the ice, um, and just enjoyed it. I mean, it was part of my career where I didn't know what I was getting into. Like you said before, you know, the NHL dream is done. So what's this going to be? Is this going to be like a hassle coming to the rink every day? Or, And I just enjoyed it immensely. I love playing there. Uh, I love the city. Um, I had so much fun there with me and my, my wife now, uh, and my first kid was, uh, not born there, but stayed there for the first, uh, for a couple of years. And, uh, it just, you know, I, I guess a testament would be, we stayed, we didn't want to leave in the summer. So, right. I mean, that, that, you know, it's not like, you know, two days after you get your equipment at the end of the game, we were in a U-Haul out of there. We stayed. So built the place and, uh. I've always, I've always, I haven't been back as much as I wanted to, but I've always told like, whoa, you know, whenever you guys put something together, count me in, I'm in, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'll do it. But um, I, I enjoyed it. I really did. I had a lot of fun, a lot of good memories. We're talking about a few of them today. 
and uh, it was a great time of my life. And uh, you know, very fortunate that that Phil was able to, uh, or, or gave me the opportunity to be there for five years. You know, we've talked. Uh, you mentioned this a few times. We and we haven't gone. We haven't delved into this, and we don't want to keep you much longer. But my goodness, you're coming up on almost 20 years of doing color commentary for the Washington Capitals. That's really amazing. Yeah, you know, I fell into that pretty good too, and uh, you know, I've enjoyed that a lot. Obviously, with this new era, the playoffs last year was a little different, but I'm sure this year, when and if we get back to work here. Um, it's going to be a little different to travel or not lack non-travel you want to call it, but, uh, it's, it's my way of staying in the game. Um, you know, it's a game I love. Uh, and you know, I didn't want to become a coach. I didn't want to become a scout and just be on the road the rest of my life. That, that wasn't in my cards. I would, uh, let me rephrase I would have loved to do that, but I don't think it was right for my family. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, to do this is great. Um, uh, I've loved it. I've enjoyed it. I've watched the team go from couldn't even get fans in the stands to one of the most exciting buildings in the NHL and best goal scorer in the world, you know, watching him and then they win the cup, which is great. You know, so it's been a, an evolving thing, you know, and it's been enjoyable. So I've met a lot of good people, but mainly I get to do what I love to watch. You know, I get to college. So it's great. And, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun for me. Awesome. Charlie, anything else? Uh, that's it. Great way to end it. That is a great way to end it. Ken, it's a, it's a, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. You've been, you've been really nice to us over the years with the, all the radio show appearances you've done and, and uh, taking a, a little over an hour to do this here today. We really appreciate it. Uh, all the best to you and your family. Stay well, and we look forward to talking with you and hopefully seeing you in the very near future. Well, it's been my pleasure, guys. Anytime. I appreciate it. I had a lot of fun talking about some old stuff. It's nice to reminisce a little bit. Very good. Ken Sabrin. Ken Sabrin joining us. Uh, that'll wrap it up. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast.